Dan Clayton with Salt City Hoops with their partnership with Salt Lake Tribune, friend of the program, joins us now here on the Full Court Press. Dan, how are you? Hey, guys. How you doing? Good. No, it's a busy day for you trying to make sense of this deal. Um, nah, NWA, it's the easiest way for me to pronounce his name. Uh, but Nikhil Alexander-Walker, really that's the big part of this in exchange for Joe Ingles' contract. Uh, also, um, Juancho Hernan Gomez is part of the deal also. But it seems like the big part here is Ingles for Alexander-Walker. What do you see from out of him, and uh, what does he potentially add to the Utah Jazz? Yeah, so Nikhil Alexander Walker is a is a recent mid first round pick, right? He's a he's a kid who, you know, was selected there because he ostensibly has some potential. Um, I, I don't know that he's really really realized that potential yet in the NBA. He's in his third season right now. Um, his his first two were better this year. New Orleans is a little bit of a mess, and they don't have a lot of talent there and obviously that just makes everybody's lives harder so you know his shooting has gone down his efficiency has gone down um but he's you know he's a player who averages 26 minutes a game so he's he's ready to play a a rotation role he knows what it is to show up every night and be needed by his club um he can uh he can do a little bit with the ball in his hands um but i think probably in utah he's he's gonna they're gonna use him mostly as a as a spot shooter and you know off ball slasher type, I don't think they need him to really you know create or or run thirty pick and rolls a night or whatever. Um, and then on defense, you know, I I would say he's more of like an energy player on defense than necessarily a lockdown defender. We've been talking for weeks about how the Jazz could use more on ball defense, and I don't know that he answers that need specifically. But at six six, he's a little bigger and longer, so if you know if he's coachable, he he could maybe. Sorry there. Uh, I think he could potentially dial in on some of those tools that uh, that uh, made him a 17th pick in the NBA draft a couple of seasons ago. So, so you know, I like it. The Jazz um, really didn't give up anything of immediate basketball value to get him because Joe Ingles' season was done either way. Elijah Hughes was like the 14th man. He wasn't playing. Um, they did give up two second-round picks, but they're pretty low-value second-round picks. Um, so, you know, ultimately, I think it's kind of a, a, a low, a low downside, medium upside kind of move. I think he'll come. I think he'll have a chance to play in the rotation. I think he'll have a chance to contribute. But this isn't the kind of deal that necessarily changes the trajectory or makes you go, oh, the Jazz are kind of over the hump now, right? He's, he's a nice complimentary piece. He's not someone that's going to be featured greatly as the Jazz try to make a deep playoff run here. And I think that's kind of the the big question here is, Bogey earlier this week was asked, are you are the Jazz still title contenders? Do you view that you this team still can compete for a championship? And he said yes, uh, because the core that's there, the experience that they have together, but they haven't played like a title contender even before January happened. So. Are the Jazz done? Do you think there might be some more moves that take place before 1 o'clock tomorrow to get them to be a title contender? Well, let me engage with your premise there first, Eric. Because, like, here's the thing. I Like, obviously, January was kind of disastrous because they played most of the month down anywhere from, like, one to seven rotation players in, in all of those games. It's been just kind of hectic and chaotic in terms of players coming and going in and out of the lineup. But, you know, before that, the Jazz peaked at – you know, uh, uh, they were 28 and 10 at one point. 
Um, this year, they're 22-8 and eight in games where all five of their starters are available, but that hasn't happened. Um, it's only happened four times since Christmas that all, four of their, that all five of their starters have been available. So I do kind of think that one of the sort of mindsets that's guiding their approach in this trade deadline season is the fact that when their main guys are healthy, they are really hard to beat. So if you know that, then maybe you're less likely to, to you know, throw a bunch of really good players and assets into a, into a desperation deal for like a, a Jeremy Grant or a Harrison Barnes. I think you might be more satisfied with, you know, how as a team can they, can they address a couple of rotation weaknesses and, and um, you know, like shore up the defense like we've talked about. I think with Joe Ingles' in- injury now and now trade – um, I do think they probably need a little bit more playmaking on the bench, and maybe that's something they'll address. So, so that's my long answer. My short answer to part B of your question is, yeah, I, I think that they're still going to be active. We have another 19 or 20 hours to go before the deadline for in-season trades, and the Jazz still do have a couple of things left that I think have some value on the marketplace. They're not, you know, they're like their eye of the beholder assets. Like, in other words, I don't think – Every team in the association is dying to get their hands on Jordan Clarkson or Rudy Gay. But, you know, some teams are. Some teams value, like, those types of tools and those types of players and talents. So I do think that they'll have a chance to, you know, get into more conversations and and maybe do something that addresses kind of the front-to-middle part of the rotation a little bit more because I think the Alexander Walker is is more about, you know, adding an interesting young eighth or ninth man and they still could do something, I think, to address kind of the sixth man, the seventh man, the eighth man spots. I, I, I think that especially post Ingles injury, um, they just they, they have they have some pretty unique needs to fill because Ingles is such a unique player and that he's he's big and guards well, but he's also a playmaker. So you know, they they still have some things that I think they can go out and do in the next nineteen hours. You know, we're certainly not gonna see anything like uh, James Harden or or Ben Simmons coming here, who knows? Probably not. But you talked about addressing some needs. Uh, can can you get into a little more detail what those needs are and what kind of guy might be a good fit for the Jazz for those needs? Yeah, absolutely. So I, I think uh, I think for starters, you know, on ball defense remains a, a bit of a bugaboo for this team. It's it's the reason why their defense sort of fell apart in in the playoffs last summer. Um, now, obviously, they had some players hurt, too, and that factors in. But, you know, when when the Clippers decided, okay, Rudy Gobert is just completely blowing up our pick-and-roll offense, so let's stop running picks. Let's not run any pick-and-roll. Let's just have a guy with the ball out front who can who can beat his man off, off the drill, you know, off from a standstill, beat his man to the paint and and collapse the defense that way. And it worked. And it worked over and over again. And then, you know, pretty soon – the Jazz and Quinn Snyder and Rudy Gobert had to start making some tough decisions about, okay, do we bring Rudy back to the paint and leave a shooter open, or do we have him hug the shooter, but then, like, Paul George and Reggie Jackson are going to score layups all night. So that just remains something that I think they still need to address. A guy I kind of like for that, he's expensive. I, I don't, you know, getting him would be a little bit of a challenge at this point, is Gary Harris in Orlando. Um, Gary Harris, if, if we remember from the bubble playoffs of, of two seasons ago, he was hurt and missed the first five games, but came back in games six and seven and really had an impact defensively on Donovan Mitchell. 
Um, and Donovan Mitchell's a pretty special player, right? So if, if you are defensively capable enough that you can come back after not playing for weeks and just instantly have an impact on Donovan Mitchell, I, I think that says some nice things about who he is as a player. Um, he's in Orlando. Orlando's not trying to be competitive this year. So I think if a team came in and, and said, you know, hey, we'll offer you something that might help you a little bit more into the future, whether that's draft assets or, or maybe they're a team who would be interested in Clarkson. I, I think Gary Harrison is a player you could probably get to, but the Jazz would need to put together about $15 million in outgoing salaries to bring him in. Um, the other thing is just size on the wing. I, I still think they could use another big-bodied wing. That's going to be tougher to get. Um, the name everybody's been talking about is Harrison Barnes, but I don't think they can get to Barnes, who's, who um, your listeners may know plays for Sacramento. I, I don't think they can get to him without including a first-round pick. And, you know, the, the scary thing about first-round picks right now for the Jazz is they can't trade one until 2026. And 2026 could be the first year after Rudy, uh, Rudy Gobert and Donovan Mitchell have offset their contracts. So that could wind up being a really important pick at a time when the Jazz are kind of pivoting and rebuilding. So, you know, promising that pick specifically could really come back to bite them, um, unless obviously there are protections on it. So, so because of that, I, it's, it's hard to know if they're in the market for a Barnes type or if, you know, they might have to settle for something a little less lofty. Um, so they don't have to part with with a, a 2026 pick. Uh, Hernan Gomez, part of this deal today, does he does he play minutes? Is he part of a deal that gets packaged <laughs> yeah, for something is he else? Good. <laughs> yeah, I mean he doesn't. He didn't play a lot of minutes. Uh, he's kind of bounced around the league a little bit. Six um, nine, I guess he's got a good body, but he, he hasn't played a full season in quite some time. He's got some injuries that he's gone through. Uh, what? What do you see out of him and why the Jazz would have him included in a deal to bring to Utah? Well, really, I think the reason he was included in the deal is San Antonio had to send salary out in order to get Thomas Sadoransky as part of this deal. So really, I think he's in the deal for math reasons more than anything. Could the Jazz use him? Yeah, I think they could in the right circumstances. He, He used to be pretty okay when he played for Denver at the start of his career. Then he went to Minnesota, um... Minnesota didn't really have players then, so he, he was in a bit more of a featured role for Minnesota in, like, 19, 20, 21. Um, at one point averaged, you know, a dozen or so points for them. But really, I think in, in the context of this year's Jazz, it's more, um, it's more uh, you know, I think he gives you another bench big who just has some NBA experience so that if the wrong guy twists his ankle and has to miss a few games in the playoff, at least you can rely on a dude who, like, has been on NBA courts a little bit. Um, but that's if he's still on the roster in 24 hours. Because, you know, again, the Jazz are still very active and, and they're still having conversations. And, um, you know, Juancho, because they just acquired him, they can't turn around and package him with other players in a trade, but they can trade him on his own. And I, I don't think that's entirely out of the realm of possibility. I, I think that there is some possibility that they might you know, look to park his salary somewhere or see if they can, you know, get a, a low-dollar rotation player from someone. It might cost them another asset, but that's just that's where the Jazz are at. When you're, when you're in win-now mode, that means you're a buyer, and that means you're emptying the asset cupboard to do everything you can to try to enhance your chances at, at making a deep run. So we'll, 
you know, we'll see if, if Juancho ever suits up for the Jazz. Um, I think it's probably 50-50. Well, it's probably better than 50-50, but I don't think it's a sure thing that he's ever going to appear on the court for Utah. Uh, last question for me is uh, with this move, it seems like it fills some spots and some spaces. Does that eliminate Daniel House from being part of the roster going forward, or is that still an option? No, I don't think it eliminates him at all. In fact, that's part of why I keep saying like we just need to let these last 19 or 20 hours play out. Um, Jazz like House a lot, and frankly, I think he addresses some of those things we talked about, right? He's not huge at 6'6", but he's, he's bigger than most of Utah's guards. He defends pretty well. Um, he, he has been a good catch-and-shoot three-point shooter in the past. He's, you know, he's not like going to set the world on fire, but if, if a guy can make 36% or better on catch-and-shoots, then that helps your offense. Um, so, so I do think they have interest in bringing House back. Obviously, they're still doing some, some roster shuffling. And, and again, you know, some of these guys that they may acquire may not, may not stick around for very long. So we just have to see what happens and what the roster looks like on Friday. And, you know, if at that point they have, uh, you know, they've had a, there may be a guy who comes to them, Juancho for that example, for that matter, could come to them and say like, Hey, you know, it looks like there's not really minutes for me here. Can, can I take a buyout and, and go find some place that could use me in this, uh, in this latter part of the season? You know, the Jazz would probably be open to something like that, especially if, if it means they can bring in a player that they have really been fond of in his brief time in Utah, which is, which is house. So I, I, um, I, I'll go this far. I, I will predict that like by Monday, house is back on the Jazz one way or another. I just don't know exactly what that looks like because I don't think the Jazz are done making moves. Hmm, very interesting. And if, if people want to find out uh, the details about who these guys are and what the deals are being made and how it affects finances for the team, you guys are awesome with Salt City Hoops and your partnership with the Salt Lake Tribune. Dan Clayton, always a friend of the program. Appreciate your time today helping us make sense of the deals today. Of course, man. Take care.